The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. What have you said to me recently? Recently. Rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at Sons of Liberty Media.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here. Where are we at? We're almost at New Year's Eve, right? Are we? No, we're almost at New Year's Eve. <laughs> Forget which day I'm in. Not to mention that I only woke up about, I don't know, 25 minutes ago. I was telling our guest that uh, my alarm didn't go off. I usually wake up long before the alarm. Uh, and for whatever reason, I was up late last night. I've been up late the last two nights, and so somehow I just missed it. So I am here. <laughs> if you guys would like to check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com, sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio. You can head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and join us on the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the faces made for radio. Go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down, right side of the page, Second video down, click on that little, hover over it, click on that little green 
arrow that's there. It's actually a white arrow with a green box. Click on that. Uh, join us in the live stream. You can also click on Rumble there in the bottom corner and join us in the chat on Rumble. And I'll be dropping that in the other chats as well. Uh, trying to drive the traffic over. I know some of you guys love... Uh, <laughs> you, you love for um, to be on Facebook because of the means of the chat, the, the fellowship you have one another. You can tag each other. I know. I get it. Maybe they'll develop some of that over on Rumble. I don't know. But uh, join us in the chat over there. Um, also, right above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. If you missed that, you can catch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. And then he'll be live in that little space right above where we're streaming uh, right now. Right above that is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that. You get one email from us a day that includes the morning show archive. So everything that we're going to talk about this morning, that's going to be in there. Okay. So if you if you say, hey, what did Dr. Bill say about this? or what? Did, it's all going to be there. The video, the podcast, if you want to just listen instead of watch, um, all that's going to be there. You can you can check that out, sonsoflibertymedia.com. That will be up later this morning. Okay, Later this morning, same title as what you've got in the video chat about the COVID test. Finally, if you would like to help us, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation or click on the link that is Become a Son or a Daughter of Liberty. That's our monthly partners if you'd like to join us monthly and uh, help us do what we're doing. Um, and then finally, in our store, you can check that out. Uh, we don't have a special running this week. Again, I told you, I said, we'll see what we can do as far as uh, maybe a special for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. But i I got to make a note here to talk to... Um, to Stephanie about that. So uh, before I bring Dr. Bill on, I had some people questioning something that I said yesterday. Now, those of you who follow my personal Facebook page, not the the public one out there, um, I, I told you about this little deal, and I, I said, look, some people or somebody jumped in the chat and said, oh, you're on a birth certificate fallacy. Mine doesn't say anything like that, and blah, blah, blah. Well, let me show you what it is. Okay, so this is a doubly authenticated birth certificate. Okay, I have a little trouble doing that. You can see it uses the terms entitled to full faith and credit. This is from the State Department up in Washington. Now, you see it's held together by this little gold ring, whatever the case may be. You can't you can't detach it. Okay, so under that is a letter from the South Carolina uh, State Department. Okay, and by the way, you can't see it, so I'm going to turn it around. It has a seal on it between that letter and the um, and the birth certificate. And then under that is the birth certificate itself, okay? So just showing you, that's what a doubly authenticated birth certificate looks like, okay? I'm not pulling anybody's leg. Uh, so for the person who said it was a fallacy and it didn't exist and mine doesn't have this, there you go, okay? Just going to share that with you. And there's a lot of things, some of them I don't even know what, what it does, but some things I do. And uh, it's basically setting setting up the thing that uh, our government has stolen from us, which is which has to do a lot with our liberty and a lot with uh, <laughs> finances, if you will. So, with that said, uh, I want to get over to our guest. Third, I think this is the third time we've had Dr. Bill on. Dr. Bill Smith. He's with America's Frontline Doctors. He's got not only doing the doctor stuff, but he's out there warning pharmacies and other people who are giving these shots, these COVID shots, these experimental shots, he's warning them they're setting themselves up uh, to face criminal charges. 
because he's warning them that they're not giving true informed consent, which is a violation of international law under the Nuremberg Code. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's under federal and state laws as well. And so joining me again today, this morning, by the way, live from South Carolina, okay, is Dr. Bill Smith. And Dr. Bill, it's great to have you again with us this morning. Uh, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing, Tim? I'm I'm good. Now, now you are down in the lower part of South Carolina. You've been celebrating there, I guess, with family and things. But uh, I told uh, Dr. Bill yesterday, I said, well, we could have you come up and just do the show live <laughs> here in my dining room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought about it, but uh, I, I struggle to get out of bed early. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, that's the problem this morning. People wouldn't know it. I kind of, you saw me, I'm brushing my beard because it was out like this. <laughs> my hair is still, ugh, it's a mess. But, uh, you know, we're, we're here and uh, you've got some very important information. And I was sharing with you, this is so important because this, the, the CPR test as well as the new test they've come out. Now, I, I'll let you explain that. It sounds like it almost sounds like energy, but it's a different kind of it's a different word um, that they're using are not only inaccurate, they're dangerous. And this is especially important for for me and my household because of what I shared with the people a couple of days ago, and that is that. Um, did I say CPR? I didn't say CPR. Did I? PCR? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry CPR. about that. Yeah, it's That's my okay. brain still awakening. The PCR. Sorry about that. Um, the PCR and the other one. Uh, w- our kids just got this letter f- or an email from Chick Fil A saying that well, if you've been sh- if you've been given the shot, we need to have that you know card that says you've been given the shot, and if not you're going to have to submit to a test every week or we're not going to schedule you. See, they're not going to fire them because they know they're going to get their pantsuit off if they fire them. But I think they can get their pantsuit off for, for playing doctor. And you tell me, uh, before we get into this, you tell me if a company is issuing things that are medical issues. And by the way, whatever we present today, we've got a medical doctor here, okay? But I'm going to say the Sons of Liberty are presenting it as information, and if you wanted medical advice, go to your doctor. But when a company comes in and they say, you must wear a mask, you must get this shot, you must take this test, are they not assuming the role of a medical professional, not giving medical advice, but giving medical ultimatums, or did I miss something here? No, that's exactly right. It's not their place to uh, tell you what type of treatment uh, is is right for you. That's for each person to judge on their own. And uh, and for them to not fire somebody, uh, to just not schedule them hours, uh, it's just, it's, all these companies are taking this route. It's just cowardice. They need to stand up and, and at least fire the people uh, for not complying. Um, but that's, that's the key. People can't comply. Uh, and it'd be best if every employee at Chick-fil-A just said, no, we're not, we're not going to abide by that. Uh, if, if employees uh, realize that they have the power and they can shut these corporations down, if they pull these stunts, uh, then the power gets restored back to the people. But until that happens, the corporations are just going to keep pushing people around. So regardless whether it's Chick-fil-A or Walmart or you know, some of these other large corporations. So people, people need to take a stand. If they don't feel like it's right and their uh, rights are being infringed on, uh, stand up and walk out, you know, uh, shut the company down. Well, that's exactly right. There, now, here's what we're planning, just so people know, and I'll, I'll probably, Lord willing, 
unless something changes, which it may, but unless something changes tomorrow, I'm going to be dealing with that. I'm going to be showing you the information here, just like we did when we called out Chick-fil-A for supporting Common Core, just like we did when we called uh, Chick-fil-A out for supporting, uh, well, I should say supporting LGBTQ in the sense that they took away their donations from ministries that actually call sodomy, lesbianism, all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, sin before God and seek to bring people to repentance. Uh, they pull that their donations, and they can do what they want to with their own money. I'm not telling them what they do, but the fact that they pulled it from them and gave it to others that are more, how shall we say, tolerant of that uh, instead of really calling it out, uh, we, we've, we've done that. And so we're going to do it with this. And, you know, Bill, one of the things is, is today it's going to be the employees, Mm-hmm. Tomorrow it's going to be the customers. You have to have this shot before you come before you're 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 served. And if you don't think that's true, think about the mask mandate. I mean, their dining yeah. rooms are still shut. They haven't had their dining rooms open in two years almost. Um, mm-hmm. And the next thing is going to be well, you have to have a shot. You have to pro- even if you go through the drive-through, you're going to have to prove. You say that's just silly, Tim. Chick Fil A would never do that. Well, I bet many of you never thought they would require the shot or the testing every week either. I bet many of you never thought they'd be pushing Common Core. I bet many of you thought, well, I know uh, True Kathy would be rolling over in his grave at what his son and that company is doing mm-hmm. to Chick Fil A, ruining the name of Christ. That's what they're doing. They're ruining the name of Christ. And they're giving the world uh, a reason to blaspheme the name of God, uh, the Word of God. There's no question about that. But we're not here to talk about Chick-fil-A. I'm just kind of giving you a prelude to that. And by the way, we're gonna, I'm going to be planning a protest. Hopefully, I'm going to do it a week from sat- this Saturday. That will be in Gaffney, South Carolina, unless something changes. If they come to their senses and say, we're not going to do this, and we're going to fight it in court. Which, by the way, Chick-fil-A in Gaffney, you can win. Mm-hmm. You don't have to comply with them when they're giving unlawful uh, edicts to you as a franchise. You can win. The question is, do you have the man parts to stand up against them and win the day? Not only for yourself, but for them. Because the more you comply, the more you give them an inch to push you towards communism, which is they're going to take, they're going to let you keep what a little bit to survive, and the rest of it's going to go to the state. So whatever you want to do, that's your time. Uh, but make no mistake. This redneck right here ain't letting you go quietly into the night. I'm going to speak out against it. And by the way, we have a lot of kids who are willing to go and stand with me as well as some parents. So we're going to get that set up. And hopefully it's going to be a week from Saturday. I have to get some things. If you believe it or not, you have to pay a permit to stand on the sidewalk that you paid for in order (laughs) to exercise a right that's supposed to be protected under the Constitution. But we'll find out about that. I'll let you know. Hopefully a little bit more tomorrow. But today we're talking about these COVID tests, which is which leads into that. And Dr. Bill, you've got another presentation for us. So I want people to hang on because you've got a way of, of doing this presentation where it's just so simple. It's straightforward. And uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you. You're going to be demonstrating all this stuff here. And uh, so the floor is yours, brother. All right. Well, I think this presentation could come in handy with anybody who's being subjected to uh, weekly testing. Uh, who doesn't want to have weekly testing? Because if you just tell them, uh, well, you know, there's no tests that accurately test for SARS-CoV-2. Um, so testing isn't even an option. 
they're they're going to be uh, backed into a corner. And and today the presentation is going to show you that none of these tests can reliably test for uh, SARS-CoV-2. So I'll just jump right in. Well, but so, Bill, is it? Hang yeah. on just a second. Is it because they haven't proved there's a SARS-CoV-2? Is it that what we've talked about before? Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get into that. So they're going to tell you themselves, none of this is from me again. This, none of this is opinion, just like any of the other presentation I've done. This is all straight from the mouth of the beast. And for some reason, uh, they refuse to listen to their own own advice on on these things so i i just did my research and and uh, kind of answered questions that i was these questions that i had and uh and came up with shocking answers and so i'm just uh, here, here to share what i found uh based on uh the countless hours of research that i put into this whole thing so yeah my first question that i had when they started saying, well, we're going to do these PCR tests. I was like, well, what's a PCR test? I really wasn't familiar with the PCR test. And so I I set out on this path to figure out what is a PCR test and how does this PCR test work? So PCR test is, it stands for a polymerase chain reaction. It was developed by Dr. Kerry Mullis and he actually won a Nobel uh, Peace Prize for his invention. And Dr. Kerry Mullis uh, would have told you if he were alive today, he would have said that they're misusing the test. It's not being used the way that it's supposed to be used. And so the results are invalid. But unfortunately, uh, about a month before the pandemic started, he was, uh, I want to say he was killed. Amen. Other people just say he died. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, that's what they do. These people suicide themselves or they die of a heart attack or something ridiculous uh, and they get away with it. And so that happened with Dr. Karamolis. I'm surprised, uh, you know, some of these other doctors who are speaking out aren't being suicided or, or dying of heart attacks. But that's the world we live in. Anyway, and this PCR test, uh, it, it basically makes it rapidly makes millions to billions of copies of some type of specific RNA sample, some type of code. And it doesn't have to be the thing that you're looking for. Uh, This could be a code that's shared among different uh, organisms. And as long as it matches whatever they've calibrated the test to look for, uh, then it's going to pop a positive uh, for that, regardless of whether or not it's uh, it's SARS-CoV-2 or the human coronavirus, uh, common cold influenza, that kind of stuff. So it allows scientists to take a very small sample of RNA and they amplify it and they can rapidly make, like I said, millions to billions of copies. The problem is if they're not looking for the whole genome of like SARS-CoV-2, for example, they're only looking for a small number of nucleotides. And by the way, most of these PCR tests only look for 50 to 75 base pairs of of SARS-CoV-2 when <laughs> SARS-CoV-2 is actually almost 30,000 base pairs. So it's a minuscule percentage of the actual uh, virus that they're looking for. Well, Dr. Bill, whenever they, Dr. Yeah. Bill, can, can we actually say that SARS-CoV-2, we don't even know that it's that because of the fact that they've never isolated it. So how are, yeah. how are they supposed to know um, any of that? I'm going to get into that. Uh, and, and they tell you themselves that that's exactly what happened. But the basic premise behind the PCR test is that they take that 50 to 70 base pair code that they've they've encoded for. And every test uses a different code that it's looking for because they all have to make money. That's the only way they can do it. They patent their test to look for a certain uh, number of base pairs. So they take that viral RNA 
they add a primer to it, uh, which is the beginning uh, of that code that they're looking for. They they put that primer in uh, and that viral RNA uh, code that they're looking for into a bath that contains du- uh, nucleotides, the building blocks of, of DNA. And then they throw an enzyme in there called reverse transcriptase. That reverse transcriptase goes along. It's like zipping up a zipper. And it, it pulls the nucleotides out of the solution. And it creates a double-stranded um, DNA uh, called uh, a cDNA. So when that cDNA is put in there, it, it's, that's when it becomes uh, readable in the system. And so, uh, interestingly enough, that reverse transcriptase is available in every single one of our bodies. So that mRNA shot, they say, oh, it can't be converted into DNA. That's exactly what they're doing with these uh, PCR tests. They're converting RNA into DNA with reverse transcriptase, and our bodies can do the same thing. So they're lying to you whenever they say that uh, you can't convert mRNA into DNA. The PCR test does the exact same thing. So how are the tests calibrated? That's how the PCR tests uh, work, uh, but the PCR tests need to be calibrated with something. And so that was my next question was, what are they calibrating the test with? And uh, so I've got a little video here from the director of the CDC in China. And some of you guys may have seen this, but I'm going to play this real quick. We're not getting any sound there. For whatever oh, reason, not getting any sound. but but I I have played the video where he says we never isolated the virus, uh, so I can yeah. add that in the in the archive if you need me to do that. Yeah, so they never isolated the virus, and everybody will have access to this presentation, and so they'll be able to watch uh, the videos. But it, yeah, he admits himself the first problem is that they haven't isolated the virus, and if you haven't isolated the thing that you're calibrating the test to look for, how do you know what you're looking for? And the answer is. Uh, they don't. Uh, so I found an email uh, from the MHRA customer service, which is the uh, the health organization there in the UK. And uh, a doctor named Francis Leader uh, was asking that exact question. How did you uh, calibrate tests to get what you're looking for? And here's what the customer service from the health uh, advisory in the UK said. They said the DNA template uh, for severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, and GenBank is where they, they keep this code. It was generated by a combination of gene synthesis and recombinant DNA technology, meaning it was created in a laboratory that was not um, found in isolation or naturally occurring. So they took a code off of the internet, and that's what they calibrated their test with. So they're, oh, now it's playing. Okay. <laughs> Was playing, but we're not hearing it for some reason. I don't know why that is. So uh, then I went into the CDC's own own document where they claim to have isolated uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And what they did, they basically took one patient specimen. um, They took a a basal alveolar, uh, basically a, a wash from the lungs of this person. And they, they put that into cell culture. 
So they're not isolating. A true isolation would be you take that viral material and you separate it from everything else. And instead, they take that supposed viral material from a patient and they put it in a bath with other genetic material. In this case, they're using uh, Vero cells, which are monkey kidney cells. And then they put it in with fetal bovine serum, which contains genetic material as well. So they put that in, they say they cultured it, and then in their experiment with the CDC, they tried to reinfect other cells with that. And I'm just going to quote directly from the CDC study. So it says, we examined the capacity of SARS-CoV-2 to infect and replicate in several common primate and human cell lines, including human adenocarcinoma cells, human liver cells, and human embryonic kidney cells, in addition to the Vero E6 and Vero CCL81, which are monkey cells. Each cell line was inoculated at high multiplicity of infection, which means like high viral load, and examined 24 hours post-infection. So there was no observable transmission of any of the cell lines except in Vero cells, which grew to greater than 10 to the seventh power at 24 hours post-infection. So all they're saying here is that they were not able to infect human cells with that human specimen. So the, the human specimen was not infectious to human cells. That's the CDC's isolation study uh, that they said proves that they had isolated SARS-CoV-2, when in fact they weren't able to isolate SARS-CoV-2. They just, if from what I gather from their study, they, they put that Vero cell, that monkey cell in there with that human specimen, and that monkey cell most likely uh, was pathogenic to other monkey cells, and so they reinfected other monkey cells with another monkey cell nothing to do with human. And they called that SARS-CoV-2 and said it was infectious to humans. And they did this at, at high uh, multiplicity of infection, which means a high viral load. Be like if somebody walked up to you and spit in your mouth and, uh, and they couldn't infect you, but they can infect monkeys. This is, it's absurd on so many levels. So the CDC tells you they haven't isolated. But what about uh, some of the studies that are out there? I was looking at some of the studies. Have the studies isolated? Uh, did they were able to obtain viral isolates? And uh, one study here, it says the ongoing outbreak of recently emerged novel coronavirus poses a challenge for public health laboratories. Well, why does it pose a challenge? Uh, because virus isolates are unavailable. <laughs> so they're telling you themselves they can't have, get access to viral isolates in order to run their tests. So if they can't get viral isolates, they have to purchase uh, or download the code off the internet and do lab-created simulations to mimic uh, a naturally occurring virus. Uh, so they're telling you themselves that they don't have viral isolates. Uh, another one here, detection of 2019 novel coronavirus by real-time PCR. Design and validation of the PCR test was aided by the use of synthetic nucleic acid technology not naturally occurring isolates. It says they downloaded all complete and partial SARS-related virus sequences available in GenBank. And again, going back to GenBank, that's where all these governments like to go and upload their virus sequences or their lab-created uh, codes. And then other countries can come in and download that code and create that, that so-called virus in their laboratory. It's all uh, synthetically uh, synthesized in a virus because they have the nucleotides. They just put it together like putting a puzzle together.
Uh, another one, laboratory testing for uh, coronavirus 2019 and suspected human cases. Uh, viral culture, they're saying it's not recommended to do viral isolation as a routine diagnostic procedure, when that would in fact be the gold standard. Now, it's just like a bacterial infection. They do a, a throat uh, culture swab. They grow it on agar. They're able to isolate the bacteria. That's easy. Why can they not isolate uh, the viruses? Uh, so that's that's the question I started running into. I was like, well, it should be easy to vi- uh, isolate a virus if they actually have a virus. And it turns out, no, not easy. They can't do it in a hospital. They can't do it in, uh, in a BSL-3, BSL-4 laboratory. They just can't isolate the virus, which is a problem when you're trying to create a test to look for a virus and you can't isolate the virus. So in, uh, in England, and again, uh, there's this PhD, his name's Kevin Corbett. He, he was having the same question. Well, how, how do they validate and, uh, and calibrate the PCR test? And so he wrote uh, Professor Maria Zambron. She's the head of uh, you know, public health over there in, uh, in England. And so he, he was asking about the PCR test and antibody tests. And here's the response that she sent back. Uh, Professor Zambron asks, we respond to your request for data as below. The RT-PCR test, which is a real-time PCR test, the gold standard for PCR test is not virus isolation. PCR tests are developed using synthetic transcripts. Field use data are not widely available at this point. And are you kidding me? So they're not isolating the virus to calibrate the PCR test. The gold standard is not viral isolation. And when PCR tests are uh, being developed using synthetic transcripts, uh, that's, that's not uh, a natural virus. That's a lab-created uh, virus that, uh, it's not even a virus at that point. It's just a lab-created genetic code that they've developed and put on the internet. Uh, this is so many red flags uh, with this thing. So then I looked up uh, the CDC's uh, PCR test uh, documentation, and all this is is uh, is in the document, and you can look it up for yourself. I'm not <laughs> making any of this stuff up, although it's just so absurd. You'd think I was making this stuff up. So the CDC's document says that there's no quantified virus isolates of the 2019 NCOV that were available for CDC use at the time the test was developed and the study concluded for the CDC's uh, PCR test uh, paper. Instead, the assays were designed for detection of 2019 NCOV RNA and were tested to mimic clinical specimen. When you mimic a clinical specimen, that means that you didn't actually have the thing that you were calibrating the test to look for, and so you had to make some uh, synthetic copy of it. So the CDC is even admitting that they couldn't get out viral isolates, uh, and so they just uh, downloaded a code uh, to mimic what they thought the natural one uh, looked like. So where is this virus? No one's able to find this virus. Instead, they just find synthetic codes off of the internet. Uh, it's absurd that we're trusting China. China is the one that uploaded that code to the internet, and we're trusting the Chinese uh, to develop all these tests. I know, right? Synthetic codes. <laughs> wow. Uh, it, yeah, it's disheartening. How can we trust China? I mean, <laughs> they hate our guts, and they want us dead. And instead, we're downloading codes off of the internet, and we're developing vaccines based on uh, something that China gave us. But yeah, it, that sounds, that's, sounds really smart. That's that's what I, that's what's interesting to me. And I've said this: I don't believe China gave us squat. I think I, I no. know the tr- paper trail is there. I know the money's been sent there, and everything else. 
But it's like we keep people keep referring back and saying, well, China did this. Now the Mockingbird media is kind of presenting that whole thing. That ought to tell you something that they got you looking in a different direction than where it is. I believe it's come from our own governments. Um, and, yeah, and you're right. Yeah, you're right. It was uh, Anthony Fauci and Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina. They did all the research on this gain of function. They sent that they were working together with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and they wanted to place the blame on China. Uh, and so China is the one that uploaded the code, you know, because Ralph Barrick and Anthony Fauci, they're trying to distance themselves from this whole thing. But they didn't do a very good job of it. They did a very, very poor job. And and so all of it points back to them if you, you look uh, closely enough. But, you know, I want people to question why why are we taking stuff off the Internet uh, from from China? <laughs> this is just absurd on so many levels. Yeah, not bringing not bringing so, some kind of retaliation for allegedly releasing this right we're, we're just letting them go we're, yeah. we're, there's been no retaliation with millions of uh-huh. people allegedly dead from their SARS-CoV-2 which hasn't been proven um we we the world hasn't done anything to them no no and uh, justice needs to come uh, for these guys or or else we've we've lost <laughs> we've lost this whole thing that's right uh but but uh you know one one thing that people need to look for whenever they use fancy terms uh, in order to try and steer people the wrong direction but when they come out and say they have a recombinant chimeric virus that just means that they created the thing uh, that it's not naturally occurring. Anything that's recombinant, they've combined uh, nucleic acid sequences into a string. And when it's chimeric, it's from different species. And so none of this is nat- naturally occurring. This is a Frankenstein stuff going on uh, between the uh, NIAID, NIH, uh, you know, University of North Carolina, and uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology. So a lot of factors uh, impact the accuracy of uh, these PCR tests. And one thing is called the cycle threshold. That's how many times that they, they run the, the, uh, the PCR test, uh, and it spits out more and more of these nucleotides, the more cycle thresholds that you run. So comparing the CT values between different kits is inaccurate um, because different kits have different CT cutoffs. Uh, some kits, you know, they'll, they'll recommend you run it at 30 cycles, others 35. Um, the CDC recommends that you run it at 40 cycles. And then some say 45, others say just run it until you get a result, uh, which is a terrible way to do this if it actually picked up what you're looking for. Um, but uh, whenever it doesn't pick up what you're looking for, that's, that's even worse. So the same sample uh, can give different CT values on different testing machines. So there's no uh, gold standard. This isn't standardized, and that's a big problem across the board. It has been with everything in this pandemic, including uh, masks. Like there's no standard mask. Um, so there's no standard with the equipment that they're using and CT values, which leads to a lot of uh, inaccurate results in reporting. Um, and uh, by the way, I want to give Dr. Sherry Tenpenny uh, a lot of credit. She helped out with this um, this presentation, uh, and and she is wonderful. So if Amen. you guys don't know Amen. Dr. Tenpenny, uh, go go visit her uh, website. She's just a wealth of knowledge, and she's been doing this stuff uh, for decades uh, now. She's known the truth about the vaccine. So uh, shout out to Dr. Tenpenny. Amen. But uh, here, a positive uh, PCR test and a high CT value means that you're not contagious. 
Uh, and a lot of people don't know that. They, they want to run these tests. And if you're positive, they say you're contagious. You need to go quarantine. But that is an absolute lie. And I'm going to uh, prove that uh, today. So here's the review. 29 studies with samples from various tissues. The data suggests a relationship between symptom onset to tests, or otherwise called the STT, the cycle threshold, and symptom severity. So if your cycle threshold was over 30, it was associated with a non-infectious sample. And like I said, most state laboratories and uh, the CDC are running these tests at 40 cycles. And they don't always report how many cycles uh, they're running these tests at. And so if they run it over 30, that's a non-infectious sample. Uh, it, it cannot be used to test asymptomatic people. The odds of recovering the virus via culture reduced by 33% for every one unit increase in cycle threshold over 30. So if you get over 30, you're not recovering any type of live virus. Complete live viruses are necessary for transmission, not the fragments identified by the PCR. And that's a problem. You know, there needs to be a whole genome uh, test in order to pick up the whole genome of what they're looking for. But they've done that on purpose. They could easily develop a PCR test that looks for the entire genome, but they don't have it. You can't do it. And, and so they put these little segments out there uh, that they're looking for. And that doesn't mean anything when it comes to virologies. It just means you found some nucleotides. So in conclusion of this study, uh, a binary yes-no approach to the interpretation of real-time PCR is not validated against viral culture. It will result in false positives. So if you don't actually calibrate it for the whole genome of the thing that you're looking for, you're going to end up with a lot of false positives. And that, in turn, has led to segregation of large numbers of people. You know, these students who are kicked out of school because they sat next to somebody and uh, and tested positive on a PCR test, even though they didn't have any symptoms. And so it, it, this is it's just a way to keep us uh, locked down. So official postulate, positive real-time PCR equals cases, equals sickness, equals that you're contagious. And that's being misused. So the misuse of the RT-PCR technique is a relentless and intentional strategy used by governments, promoted by scientific safety councils and by the dominant media to justify excessive lockdown and quarantine measures, removal of rights, destruction of the economy, and degradation of society. This is based on a number of positive PCR test cases uh, and not the number of sick patients. So this whole thing with asymptomatic people going and getting tested to know that they're sick, it's complete junk. We never would have believed that before this whole uh, pandemic thing started. But for some reason now, we think that you can be uh, sick with a deadly virus that's going to kill the world uh, and not even know that you're sick with it. We're, we're brainwashed. Types of SARS-CoV-2 testing. So there's the diagnostic test, which is the PCR test, a rapid antigen test, an antibody test. And then uh, there's another test that's come out called the whole genome sequencing, which is how they detect all the variants. Um, the PCR test detects a single molecule in a sample. It can take a few days to do that. Uh, rapid antigen test, it's uh, something that people, they're taking more commonly now. And that's what uh, President Biden uh, I guess the fake president Biden has uh, said he's purchased half a billion of these rapid antigen tests by Binax uh, to send to every American. 
Uh, they just want to drive the numbers up. That's a junk test too. It doesn't look for what it's trying to look for. Uh, antibody tests detect IgM and IgG to the coronavirus. It's not specific to SARS-CoV-2. So it can't be used to diagnose a current infection. And if you test positive on an antibody test, it can't even uh, tell you if you have antibodies to SARS-CoV-2 or SARS-CoV or any human coronavirus for that matter. It's just picking up on antibodies. So the antibody tests are really uh, junk as well. So what's a PCR test? Positive is just a trace amount of viral material is present, uh, genetic material is present. If it's negative, a trace amount of uh, viral genetic material is absent. PCR tests do not measure the amount of virus in the sample. They can't be used to measure viral load. So they're useless for diagnosing someone with an active infection. To diagnose someone with an active infection, you have to be able to diagnose uh, them or, or find out what their viral load is. If you can't find out what the viral load is, uh, it's a meaningless test when it comes to testing somebody and, and saying that they're, they're positive uh, as a carrier who's going to spread to the community. So two different types of PCR tests. The RT-PCR test is the same name used for two different tests. So it gets kind of confusing. So RT-PCR test can mean reverse transcriptase uh, PCR. That's the lab uh, technique that was created by Carrie Mullis. And, uh, and that one's still being used today. Uh, but the, really, the big one that they're using is the real-time uh, PCR test. It's the modern version for PCR testing. It's also called qualitative PCR. So very important that people understand when they look at these things, it's either going to say it's qualitative or quantitative. When uh, it, you have a qualitative test, it cannot find uh, viral load. Uh, that's only with a quantitative test. So basically, the way I look at it is if you were looking for a unicorn, for example, and you're out in the yard, you find a hair in your yard and you run it through the PCR machine. And the PCR machine just amplifies and makes copies of that hair. And after the PCR test uh, machine is done running, you have a mountain of hair. And you look at the mountain of hair and you say, I found a unicorn. Well, you didn't find anything. You found a hair. That no way points to a unicorn. But just because you say it's a unicorn doesn't make it a unicorn. That's exactly what the, the PCR test is doing. It takes that small piece of genetic material, amplifies it, and you only get the same genetic material. Um, it doesn't build the whole virus from that small sample. There's no way that you can diagnose somebody with uh, having a virus if you don't look for the whole thing. How accurate is a PCR test? There's no gold standard for verification. Without confirming the presence of the virus through isolation and culture, like we are talking about, PCR testing is unsuitable for COVID-19 diagnosis. And that's why I was looking so hard for the isolation study. Show me that you found the thing that you're looking for, especially if you're going to lock me down and force me to take a shot and you say you found what you're looking for. Fine, I'll, I'll consider it. But nobody's done that. And there have been people out there who have offered these massive rewards, over a million dollar reward. If you can just show me that you've isolated, purified, and, and they showed that you found the virus through electron microscopy, and nobody's been able to do it. So there's huge rewards sitting out there. If any of you want to isolate, uh, you can <laughs> become quite wealthy if you're able to prove that you isolated the virus. 
How accurate is the PCR test? Uh, lack of clear-cut gold standard for COVID-19 testing. Evaluation of test accuracy is challenging, to say the least. A systematic review of the accuracy of the PCR test found that between 2 and 29% of the tests were false uh, negatives. It's not an accurate test. These values are based on negative PCR tests, which became positive after repeat testing. And we've all heard of these stories where these people go and get tested and they're negative, they get tested, they're negative. And then like on the third time, uh, they test positive. Oh, okay, you're positive. It's because the tests are, are faulty. Uh, that's, that's why it's not like magically they found the virus. No, they didn't find anything. They just popped a positive test because they found some uh, dead nucleotides in your bloodstream. Uh, the PCR test does not identify the virus. PCR tests do not diagnose someone as infected and cannot determine if the patient is contagious. A positive test does not identify which pathogen is causing clinical symptoms. So why? A positive result, uh, and this is straight from John Hopkins, and they took this down, but thank goodness for the internet and its ability to archive everything. Amen. Um, and I have the archive link here from Johns Hopkins. They said a positive result may be due to past or present infection with other coronavirus strains, such as coronavirus uh, HKU1, that's uh, human coronavirus, uh, NL63, OC43, or 229E. 229E is the common cold. Uh, so you could be positive for any one of those things, not SARS-CoV-2. So it's, it's, it's a, a non-specific test. In today's environment, a positive test is usually assumed to reflect an infection of SARS-CoV-2, and that is a complete fallacy, a complete lie. And they tell us that it's the, uh, from the EO, EUA documents, which I'll go over later. PCR test does not measure quantity of the virus. I've gone over this. Uh, and I just want to pound it in everybody's head. If you cannot uh, evaluate for viral load, you do not know if a person is contagious. And even if they are symptomatic, uh, and much less if they're asymptomatic. So if someone has no symptoms and they throw a positive, these PCR tests cannot uh, say that that person is a carrier or a spreader of uh, SARS-CoV-2. Uh, it's ludicrous. The PCR test does not identify an intact virus. A complete intact virus is necessary to transmit the infection. When you only look for bits of genetic material, uh, you cannot transmit uh, infectively bits of a genetic material. That's why a whole genome PCR test is required. If you don't have a whole genome PCR test, then you cannot tell if somebody has an intact virus meaning that if they have symptoms, you can't even tell that they're contagious. If they don't have symptoms, you can't even tell that they're contagious. This is ridiculous. Fast-tracked uh, test kits is another problem. So as of uh, November 18, 2020, the FDA issued 289 uh, emergency use authorizations for tests. Uh, why do we need so many different PCR tests? And a lot of these tests have been thrown out already, um, but there were 224 molecular tests, 58 antibody tests, and seven uh, rapid antigen tests. Why the need for so many tests? Why can't there just be one, one of each of those tests? Instead, they have hundreds of these tests out there. So PCR is a tool used in a wide range of biological disciplines. However, due to the ease of use and often lack of rigorous standards, many PCR applications can lead to highly variable, inaccurate, and ultimately meaningless results. 
And we're relying on these PCR tests in order to uh, help us to know where we're at in this whole pandemic. The fact is that the PCR test is being politically used in order to keep us locked down and afraid. And people need to stop getting tested. Uh, I've said this before, and I'll keep on saying it. In order for this pandemic to end, tell people to stop trusting this test and stop going out and getting tested. You have to refuse the test because it's just the government's way of uh, jumping the numbers up to justify uh, these lockdown measures and forced vaccinations that we're going through. That's right. Um, PCR testing never intended for clinical use. So from the kit information, uh, the kit for the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus multiplex, uh, it says the detected result of this product is for clinical reference only, and it should not be used as the only evidence for clinical diagnosis and treatment. So they're not even supposed to be using it to diagnose people uh, in a clinical setting and, and to make treatment decisions. Yet that's exactly what they're doing. And I found this with the frontline doctors was that there are many doctors out there who still think the PCR test is a valid tool to use to diagnose someone. It's junk. We can't do it because they tell us themselves that it's only for clinical reference to not for clinical diagnosis and treatment. Uh, rapid two-hour testing. So the quant virus real-time PCR test, it's a qualitative detection of SARS-CoV-2 viral RNA uh, taken from a nasal pharynx. It says it's specifically detecting SARS-CoV-2 RNA. Um, but uh, the thing is, you don't, you don't have to look for the whole thing to say that you're looking for some RNA. Uh, it's non-specific to RNA for SARS-CoV-2. But just because it, it falls in with that SARS-CoV-2 genome, they say it's specific for SARS-CoV-2, and they're, they're lying. So the fact of the matter is there are 36 coronaviruses in circulation, and uh, you might have been exposed to one, and it might give you a false positive for infection. The CT value for these tests is 35. Anything that high is too sensitive, and it's going to give you a false positive. So a summary of what PCR tests can and can't do. Uh, what can the PCR test do? It can identify very small segments of genetic material, uh, it, whether it's from coronavirus or from some other virus. It's really nonspecific. The PCR test cannot detect an intact virus. It cannot distinguish between pathogen types. It can't determine if someone is sick. It cannot determine if someone is acutely infected. A PCR test cannot determine if someone is contagious. It cannot predict if someone will get sick. And they're using that PCR test to tell you all those things. They are lying to us. And uh, all the data is here. They are lying to us. It can only look for genetic material. It can't do anything else. So cycle threshold. Uh, We talked about this a little bit. But the larger the concentration of viral particles in the sample, the lower number of cycles that you will need. So the higher they have to run these up the less genetic material is in the sample. There needs to be a gold standard for a cycle threshold for these tests. And really, I think that should be at 25 uh, cycles. And we would get rid of a lot of the false positives uh, that are out there. But can, can, I, can um, I interrupt you just to, let me interrupt you just a second, because I want to ask a question about that. Okay, so you're saying bring it down to 25, and I think that's normally where they would run something like this. But as you said, you know, we've played uh, Dr. Kerry Mullis several times on the show explaining you can find whatever you want to find <laughs> uh, yeah, running no, a PCR exactly test. Right. 
Yeah, so they ramped so up it, they ramped up the cycles more than they were to to say, oh, we've got all these cases. And then uh, it was John Rappaport, former uh, CBS Health Watch reporter, who came out and said, well, wait a minute, here's how they're going to show how the vaccine they're they're going to show it to be successful. And what he said was they're going to lower the piece the the cycles. And sure yeah. enough, they did it. And they said, oh, we're getting this under control. Now they're ramping them back up. It's getting winter. Uh, they're getting ready in a week or so to roll out more 5G in more cities. And um, there's no doubt in my mind this is what they're doing. They're playing the American people through deception because their father's the devil, and he's a deceiver from the beginning. And uh, so, you know, I've got some I've got some questions. Would you mind if I, I pop these in here before we continue? And, yes, I think we are going to go over, as always, uh, Dr. Smith has so much uh, information. So you guys just hang on to that. But we've got a couple of questions here. Uh, some are saying, some are asking, um, what are the actual symptoms of this SARS-CoV-2? Which, by the way, there is no SARS-CoV-2. As far as scientifically proven, <laughs> yeah. there isn't one. But they're basically taking anything. If you've got a sneeze, if you've got a fever, mm-hmm. if you've got a cough, if you've got uh, shortness of breath, if you've got a rash. I mean, we were told by Dr. Burks live on national television that we were taking anybody that died of anything and we were lumping it into COVID. So these people were deceivers from the first, just nobody. I've never seen anything like the deception and fraud that went on uh, under the Trump administration through Fauci and Burks and the rest of the Mockingbird media and the other people who are putting that out. Um, We've got those kind of questions. And then there's, um, um, one of our, our people in the chat said they take hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Now, I know these have been promoted by uh, some at America's Frontline Doctors. I get that. It's been promoted by the, the conservative talking heads and the media and stuff. And I know that some people like uh, there's uh, Stella with American uh, Frontline mm-hmm. Doctors has said this is work. But the, but the question I have is, haven't those been specifically to target parasites not quote unquote viruses. Haven't they been targeted targeted towards parasites? Yeah. And then I say you're still supporting big pharma, the people that you're against, you're still supporting them in that. When Dr. Andreas Calker has come out and he's done they've done a whole study on something that's a natural compound with no side effects, and that is mm-hmm. chlorine dioxide that does this I mean it takes care of all of it, plus it puts the oxygen in your cells. Um, yeah. what, what do you say to something like that in the midst of all the information you're giving? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is uh, highly suspicious, uh, highly suspect that most of the drugs that uh, are effective and the herbal uh, remedies that are effective are effective at uh, treating parasitic in, in infections. Uh, the research that I've done shows that these uh, herbal uh, remedies do impact the ACE2 uh, receptors as well to prevent binding of the, the spike protein that's created by the, the, um, the gene therapy uh, weapon that's out there. And, and so it, it's, it's highly suspicious, especially when I look into uh, Dr. Robert Young's uh, electron microscopy studies, which shows that he's found uh, parasites in the vaccination. Uh, so it, it makes me wonder, you know, was something dumped into the water supply? People were getting these parasites, uh, yep. they were getting sick. I, I, I just don't know, you know, what, what was sprayed onto our heads uh, from up above. We, we don't know. These are invisible enemies that uh, we're fighting, and I wish we could see them. I wish they were away, uh, but, but uh, we, we just don't know. 
So there are a lot of natural herbal treatments. I just found out neem oil uh, is is a great herbal remedy to use. You know that that uh, pesticide that we use on our plants uh, that's organic, and uh, you can actually supplement with uh, neem oil uh, for for treatment. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Smith, hang on. Let's close out the show, and then we'll pick up with the rest of your presentation, guys. Hang on. Doctor Smith's going to continue in this presentation. Some of you have heard some of this, but there's going to be some new stuff as well. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, and then we'll be back with you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Lord willing. See you then. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. Again, you can catch us on Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, uh, DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. We're also on Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. We're off of Roku now because that, they, they allowed us an hour there. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page, and then SonsOfLibertyMedia.com on the right side of the page. Okay, all right, uh, Dr. Bill, go ahead and continue. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I, sure. I, I saw we were getting low, but I didn't see the time running out there because we were talking. So go ahead and continue your presentation here. So yeah, uh, again, going back to cycle threshold, uh, it's really important that everybody understands that cycle threshold is crucial. And, and you know, I I wish they would get rid of the PCR test. They should get rid of the PCR test. But if they're not going to get rid of the PCR test, I think there needs to be standards on how this PCR test is run. And I think uh, we need to have standards for cycle thresholds because high cycle thresholds are correlated with low viral loads. High cycle thresholds mean no viable virus is present, and high cycle thresholds also show that uh, you have you can't culture uh, the virus that's uh, in the specimen. So here's links to um, cycle thresholds for various test kits uh, that are out there. So the SARS-CoV-2 test kit, uh, real-time PCR, 45 cycles, right? And remember, you know, anything over 30 is really junk. Um, Optisars goes to RT-PCR test, 45 cycles. Ren Labs COVID-19 PCR test, 38 cycles. LabCorp um, COVID-19 PCR test, 35 cycles. Uh, so there's links to all the documentation uh, with that as well. And here's a document from the CDC where they recommend running the PCR test for 40 cycles. So the, the really CDC is one of the worst out there uh, when it comes to um, reliability. But they have a conflict of interest, don't they? Don't they have a lot of patents yeah. as well on some of this, you know, of vaccines course. and things like that? Okay, so let me ask you a question. We, we've got a question in the chat, and that is this. So people have heard about shedding, which happens with vaccines. There, there, I think there's warnings that come out with when you get an actual vaccine. This is not a vaccine that they're offering. It doesn't even meet the medical definition of that. It meets the medical definition of a medical device that they want to put into your body. So they have a question, um, and they use the term shedding, so I want, to, I want to clarify that whatever comes from this shot that they're giving people is not shedding. It would be, and we had Dr. Sherry Tempini on the show, it, she said it would be transmission, not shedding, and there's yeah. a difference. Now, they want to know if they're intimate with their partner. I guess that's kissing or sex or whatever the case may be, or even maybe touching. Uh, is it possible for their partner to if they have if they have this stuff in them um, from the shot, is it possible that they transmit that to their partner? Yeah, you can transmit uh, spike protein through any bodily fluid. What uh, can know, I can I can I press that a little more? What evidence do we have? Because we're talking about evidence for SARS-CoV two. They never isolated. What evidence do we have that says that you can that if I touch you? 
if I kiss my wife and I've taken the shot or whatever, uh, that I, I somehow transmit those spike proteins. What evidence do we have? Do we have actual studies that show that, or is yeah. that an assumption? Yeah, of course. Uh, okay. No, I, uh, in my spike protein uh, presentation that I did, I had a study in there, and there are, are multiple studies. One study in particular, it showed that healthcare, vaccinated healthcare workers carried uh, 251 times uh, the viral load in their nasal pharynx wow. compared to unvaccinated. And that's directly, uh, you know, they call it viral load, but the reality is, is it's the genetic um, spike protein that they created from Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson Johnson, or whoever. And so there, there are specific studies that prove that uh, they are uh, transmitting. Whether it be from the lungs or or uh, from you know bodily fluids, sweat, stool, urine, or or uh, during uh, sexual intercourse. So, Doctor so Bill, that, it, that, let me follow up with that just a little bit. So, if they can if they can transmit like that, then how long are they able to do that? Is it just a couple of weeks? Should should somebody just be cautious to say, hey, no. if you've had so, this shot, how long should we kind of keep a little bit of distance there from those people? Well, shedding is at its peak from the studies that I've seen uh, up to, uh, well, it's five days post-vaccination. But then I've seen um, where, where people, they're able to transmit. You know, I, I keep using the shedding term, uh, but they're able to transmit for over 90 days uh, after they wow. get the vaccine. Yeah, and, and actually, I think it was yesterday, uh, Rochelle Walensky came out and said that uh, people who have been vaccinated uh, or recently infected shouldn't get uh, PCR tested for like 12 weeks uh, because they'll throw a positive um, PCR test. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. The, say that again. She, the, this, is a, this is the propagandist out of the CDC. She said, yeah. what about the, about the testing? So um, you sh- you should not uh, get tested for like twelve weeks um, with the PCR test. Um, okay, so following let me... infection or yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I've just got these things going on in my mind. So when Chick Fil A tells my kids and their workers you need to have a PCR or you need to have a COVID test every week, and they say this can be administered by employees, that that's no, no, what they're no, telling no. them. They're telling them they're the COVID lying. test can be administered by employees. I mean, they're engaged, in, as far as I'm concerned, pushing that on somebody, they're engaged in medical malpractice. They're That's engaged medical in medical malpractice. Fraud. Yeah. So I, yeah. this is why I can't let that go. But you're saying, they're saying, you guys have to have it every week. What do you yeah. say to something like that? Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, uh, you, you don't have a test that actually evaluates for what you're looking for, because if, P- if Chick-fil-A is going to be doing it, they're going to be using a rapid antigen test. And the rapid antigen test cannot differentiate any one of the coronaviruses. And so that's when I went to the theater and got kicked out. I, I brought them the EUA uh, for the rapid antigen test. And they offered it to me. I said, um, this test can't even look for any one of the coronaviruses. And you're saying it's going to be specific for SARS-CoV-2. So you have a junk test here that can't even use to evaluate um, my, my infectivity status, which is complete junk. There's no proof that uh, I'm a, a carrier. I'm a transmitter. Uh, you're, you're going uh, off label with all of this stuff. And you're making false claims about this product. 
And so you can show in the product documentation and saying you, you have to stick with this. Also in the documentation, it says that it has to be performed by a trained uh, person in, in using the test. And these Chick-fil-A employees aren't trained medical people. These are restaurant workers and managers. And, and so, it, again, you're, you're using the, the test in a way it was never intended to be used. And so that's that's something that I, I would think falls under medical malpractice. Amen. I mean, you could yeah. take the EUA, uh, you could take the EUA document to to court, and sue Chick Fil A uh, for for uh, trying to use this test in a way that it was never meant to be used. Well, that and that is the reason. That's the reason why this redneck out in rural South Carolina is going to go and deal with Chick Fil A the way I am. Because this not only affects my kids, it affects kids that my my kids are friends with. It affects adults that my friends are or or my kids are friends with. It affects yeah. people outside of Chick Fil A because this is being pushed not just by Chick Fil A. I don't want to just single Chick Fil A. I'm only singling Chick Fil A out because that's intimately tied with my family. But this is other you know restaurants, other companies who are pushing this on people, and I'm telling you. We have to, we, 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 we cannot let this thing go. And this is the reason mm-hmm. why we have people like Dr. Bill on. He gives us the information so we can say, well, wait a minute, there's something rotten in Denmark here, and it's against the law, and it's up to us. Look, Dr. Bill, I've said this over and over and over. There have been so many people through the Trump administration who thought Trump was going to be Superman. In fact, he was portrayed like that on these fake money that he's put out and all this other stuff. He's just some kind of Superman. <laughs> he's really a super dud is what he is. And, and the point is, is that the, our government is the people. We are yeah. the king of Romans 13 in our society, in our culture. We are the law, if you will, under God. Yeah. Um, we, we don't get to make up our own law. We're, we stick with the moral law of God. But the fact of the matter is some people are waiting for somebody else to do for them what we're not willing to do for ourselves. And so there comes a point where we've got to take it to the people, be they our friend or our enemy. We've got to take it to them and bring the truth to life and bring justice in the matter. Uh, otherwise, yeah. we're just we're shouting at the wall and we're not accomplishing anything. So I, th- I appreciate you clarifying that. And I apologize for interrupting, but all of that's on my mind with the stuff that you're bringing up here. And I think it's very important that people understand that. Yeah, it's, it's crucial that people understand it. You know, that's why I do these presentations, because people need to know the truth. There's a lot of, uh, you know, opinions out there. Yeah, the PCR test is great. But the facts are the facts. The PCR test is not accurate. It doesn't test for what they say it's uh, testing for. It can't diagnose you uh, with an active infection. And so it's junk. It needs to be thrown out. So uh, cycle threshold, the uh, quality of specimen is super important whenever you're running these tests. Uh, if the concentration of the sample isn't correct, the condition and the age of the sample isn't correct, the time from onset of symptoms to the collection of the sample has been too long, it'll mess up the test. If you've had a recent food or drink, uh, if there's uh, temperatures during transport are incorrect, it will mess up the test. If transportation time to the laboratory takes too long, it'll mess up your test. So there's so many other variables uh, with getting accurate test results that they're not following. Uh, and this happened whenever I sent Freedom of Information Act requests to uh, to the Arkansas Department of Health. They're sending all their patient specimens for uh, diagnosis of Delta uh, and Omicron uh, to other laboratories because they don't have the equipment to do it themselves. And so the laboratory they were sending it to at the time for Delta was the University of Minnesota. 
And when I pull the FOIA, they didn't even require them to put it on dry ice, keep it frozen at super low temperatures. They just said, ah, just put it on a truck, send it out here in saline. And I am saying, really, you think if there is uh, a viral RNA in there that requires a host that it's not going to break down in transport uh, over days? Are you kidding me? It's just it's, it's so stupid. So the technique of the technician, this is something that we were just talking about. The technician who's performing the test is very important and crucial that they perform the test properly. So uh, for the quality of the sample, the cleanliness of the pipette that they're using for the testing, if there's the delay in specimen transport, the result accuracy varies from specimen location. So 93% of uh, the tests are from bronchial alveolar lavage uh, that were used to calibrate these tests. Now, if they're using bronchial alveolar lavage to calibrate tests uh, to try and look up for what they're looking for, that's how they need to pull it out of people. But instead, they're just doing uh, nose swabs. They're not doing bronchial alveolar lavages. And so right off the bat there, during the testing, setting up the test, they don't even go and apply that to the people that they're testing. They use some different technique. So it throws the reliability of the test out the window. Um, techniques to run a test, pH of the test solution has to be correct. The salt concentration, if there are artifacts from the instrument and rea reaction mix, that can mess up the test. So there are differences between the test kits as well. The software is, could be different. The operator uh, interpreting the test results uh, could be messing up the test results. There's a variability in how the cycles are counted, the lack of reporting standards. Some kits give a positive negative result instead of a CT value. Uh, and, and there needs to be established cutoff instead of a value. Uh, other factors, uh, so the comparing CT values between different kits is inaccurate because the different kits have different CT cutoff values. And we talked about this before. The same sample can give different CT values on different testing machines and even different swabs from the same person can give different results. So you test the same person, you know, you stick one swab in one nose and then you stick it in the other nostril and you could get completely different results. Right there, it should tell you that the test is junk. You need reliable uh, results with every single test. Symptom to test onset is the time that onset of symptoms, the time the person's tested with PCR testing. So if, for example, testing 10 days after the onset of symptoms, the probability of culturing a virus from a sample declines to 6%. So if, if somebody has had symptoms for a prolonged period of time, you're not going to be able to culture uh, a virus. It becomes very hard to do that. People need to get tested uh, soon after they start uh, getting symptoms, and they're not doing that. They're just saying everybody needs to get PCR tests regardless of whether or not you have symptoms. So here's a study, 29 studies, various samples from various tissues. CTO value over 30 was associated with non-infectious. I went over this. I'm just repeating it because it's super important. Uh, you can't run these tests at high CT values or else you're going to get false positives. Right here, PCR test reliability decreases greatly after 28 cycles. This was a study that was done, and the little uh, chart there shows you that uh, these patients uh, had reliable, somewhat reliable uh, test results up to 28 cycles. After 28 cycles, there's a precipitous uh, drop-off with the test results, so it leads to a lot of false positives. 
Uh, another study here, 90 PCR test uh, samples have been in incubated in vero cells, those monkey cells again, for four days. 28 sam or 26 samples had viral growth. Uh, for every one unit increase in cycle threshold, the odds of positive culture decreased by 32%. For every one day increase past the symptom uh, testing time, the odds of being culture positive decreased by 37%. So conclusion of this study, it said infectivity of patients is low with cycle threshold over 24 and low if the patient is tested more than eight days after onset of symptoms. So really, you got to push that cycle threshold way back. Uh, after 24, it starts uh, becoming very unreliable for infectivity and then testing for oh, past eight days again. Um, just unreliable. So, Dr. Bill, l l we've, we've got a statement in here, and this comes from one of our friends in the chat. He says, if there's no COVID, then why get a test? I don't get any of this. Well, I don't get it either, but I noticed there's, there's a – it just clicked on my head. There is a switching of terms there. The test yes. – they, they tell us is that we're getting more COVID cases – but their test is supposed to test for SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus. And some people don't get this because of the mixed information. And we're not medical doctors and do all that kind of stuff. So the one is the virus, the SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus, as they're calling it. Okay, That's yeah. the virus. The COVID-19 is the disease, they say, that comes from this virus that's never been isolated. So I want people to understand, when they're doing the test, they're telling us, or they, they started out telling us, well, this is to find the SARS-CoV-2, right? I mean, that's really what it's for. But then they, they use it to say there's more COVID cases. So they it looks like they're doing a bait and switch in all of this. Or am I missing something? No, this uh, whole, whole time they've been uh, deceptive in their language, trying to confuse people. You know, I'm not advocating for anybody to go to get a test. Like I said before, you know, nobody should be getting these tests. But if they're going to be running these tests on unsuspecting public, there need to be standards that are put into place. And so that's why I'm pushing for this uh, th cycle threshold limitation. I would prefer that state legislators uh, step in and say, you're going to run these tests. They they have to be set uh, at and 25 cycles nothing more. And we'll get rid of the majority of cases uh, that are out there. Uh, but better yet would be if people just don't get tested at all. But the government is, yeah, they are so deceptive. It's like when they changed the standards for the PCR test, um, they said that if you had been vaccinated, they were going to uh, run the cycle threshold at 25 cycles. And if you were unvaccinated, they're going to run your cycle threshold up to 40. Now, it, that's because they're wanting to push this pandemic of the unvaccinated. So now they've just switched to having everybody do these rapid antigen tests, which, you know, they, you can't adjust cycle thresholds on those. They come pre-calibrated. Can you kind of explain the difference there? Because you used that term the other day, and I didn't know what it was. Can you explain the difference between the PCR and this? What was the thing that, how did you name it? The rapid antigen test. Okay, how did, yeah, how, what I, is the difference there? So uh, PCR tests, it takes days. You have to take a specimen. You have to send it off to the laboratory. And then it takes days to get your results back. Uh, with the rapid antigen test, it's kind of like a pregnancy test where, you know, you, you put your specimen. And people do these at home. You put your specimen on the, on the test kit and a line will pop up to tell you if you're positive. 
It's, okay. It's so stupid to so, think that that's uh, a valid test. So is that test kind of like, uh, um, I want to say a member of parliament in not England, but it was somewhere else, where he took the Coke and he poured it on the test? Is that that kind of test he has? Yeah. It's got like a uh, piece of paper, like a pH kind yeah, of thing, and he's reading exactly. that? Exactly. Okay, so yeah. when he does that, rapid is that being invasive? Or are they using some kind of a swab to get it out of their nose, out of their mouth or th- something, and put it on there? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, people can use anything they want, but uh, really the people who are using the rapid antigen test to use it properly, they're supposed to just swab the inside of their nose and stick it on the test kit, and it's supposed to come back positive uh, with something. But I, I've seen those videos, too, where they use Coke, or I saw one guy, he, he swabbed his, the exhaust of his uh a sports car, <laughs> and it tested positive for a rapid uh, engine test. Or the or the guy from Africa too. who's now dead, who took fruit and goats and all kinds of other stuff, motor oil, yes. and, and sent that in too. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make yeah, sure that we we saw there was two different yeah. tests. Yeah. Yeah. Two two different tests. That, and and Biden he he came out and said they purchased half a billion of these rapid engine tests. So he he's wanting to switch everybody over to to rapid antigen to do these at home tests. You know, if you get those things in the mail, uh, you can run an experiment and, and give the results to me because I think it would be fascinating. Uh, just test an orange or run it underwater. Or yeah, don't put it in your body. And, don't put it in your body. No, don't put it in your body. Don't put it in your body. Can you can you address uh, and, that and, real quick? What what uh, is some of the stuff? Because I know. I've been told that uh, at least with the PCR test, there are some elements on that particular swab. One, some of those little, I don't know what they are, yeah. the little bristles will can break off. And they actually, some people have showed them on a slab of meat, actually, I don't, I don't know any word to say it, looking like they're alive, digging into the meat, almost like they're hydrogels or something. And then you've, you've got uh, not only that, but some of the, stuff that's on that swab i've heard that it is uh some of the chemicals there are akin to the things that women have when they have their their pap smears and stuff that have resulted we've we've demonstrated in history here uh that they've they've come with ovarian cancer cervical cancer and stuff following those kinds of things is that true are those kinds of things on those tests where they where they uh, use the thing sticking up in your nose yeah and majority of those uh, would be like the PCR uh, swabs, um, but any any one of those swabs, you should look for an ingredient on there called ethylene oxide, and that if it's on there, uh, don't st- stick that anywhere near your body. Uh, you know, it's it's really like this is medical rape. <laughs> is, what is what is, is this? What is that chemical that you're talking about? What does it do? Yeah, ethylene oxide is is just highly toxic uh, to the body. It has all types of different consequences, but it is carcinogenic. And so it has a way of uh, denaturing uh, DNA. And when you stick that uh, deep back into your nasal pharynx to the area uh, up there called the cribriform plate, that's a very thin plate where the, the olfactory nerve comes down from the brain. Yeah, you could be putting that ethylene oxide directly into your brain. And so, you know, it could be uh, one of the reasons why people have uh, affected uh, taste and smell following some of those uh, those tests. But as far as like the nanobots, 
I, you know, I've seen the images, seen the the pictures. I haven't done a whole lot of uh, in-depth study and research uh, into that, uh, but it it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, this nanotechnology that's out there, uh, it's you hardly see it with uh, with your eye, and so to think they would put it on the end of a swab. I wouldn't put it past them, but I can't say with certainty that uh, that is exactly what they're doing. But I know they have ethylene oxide on those swabs and you need to check, you know, if you're going to get tested, you're required to get tested, ask to see the swab before they, they test you. And if it has ethylene oxide on there, uh, don't put that thing up your nose. Well, Dr. Bill, <laughs> you're a medical doctor. You're not a Tim Brown who gained some knowledge from medical. You're a medical doctor. You're you're certified. I'm assuming you're licensed, all this kind of stuff, which I have a problem with licensing because it's basically giving the, the state authority over who you are, what you say, what you can do and all that. I don't like that. But the fact of the matter is you are a medical doctor. Why in the world would you ever take and put ethylene oxide on anything to put in a in one of your patients, would you ever do that for any reason at all? Or if you would, what would be the reason for doing it? Well, yeah, I'm I'm a chiropractor. Okay, I all right. Sorry about that. Just, uh, no, that's okay. Uh, I don't want people to get confused, but uh, yeah, there'd be no reason to do that. Uh, you know, you you should be able to get what you need uh, with the swab without having to put uh, something like ethylene oxide in there. So I. You know, the the only thing I can think is that it's there for nefarious uh, reasons. So um, I wouldn't do it. I just and I haven't done it this whole time uh, since the pandemic started. I have not done uh, any PCR tests or rapid engine tests on myself. I haven't uh, done any of the testing. Um, another reason for that, which is at the end of the presentation, is for DNA uh, collection. Uh, they're selling these these uh, test results um, to to DNA collection agencies, particularly in China, uh, and I think it's for development of of something that coincides with um, uh, it, potentially a bioweapon uh, to to uh, interact with our DNA more effectively. And so, you know, you have to be uh, concerned with that too. That they they are doing DNA collection uh, with these tests as well. Um, so yeah, they just, you, you can't get tested. Uh, it's bottom line. That's, that's what it is. Okay. All right. Thank you for explaining that. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt the thing, but I think there's some questions there, uh, that need to be addressed and I appreciate you doing that. No problem. So I, I wanted to show here, going back to the cycle thresholds that even Dr. Fauci himself said that anything over 35 cycles is junk. Uh, there's a link to a video here that everybody could go and watch, but uh, I have the quote from Dr. Fauci. It says, so, so that if, if somebody, and you know what we do, we have patients, it's very frustrating for the patients as well for their physicians. Somebody comes in and they repeat their PCR and it's like 37 cycle threshold, but you never, you can almost never can culture virus from a 37 threshold cycle. So I think if somebody does come in with 37, 38, even 36, you got to say, you know, it's just, it's just dead nucleotides period. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci on July 17th, 2020. And yet he puts out this junk saying, run the test to 40 cycles and knowing that he's just picking up dead nucleotides at that point. 
So it, it's criminal conspiracy. That's the only way I know how to describe it. He's, he's criminally conspiring to keep the pandemic going in order to you know, financially gain and injure people. So there again, uh, CDC recommends running that at 40 cycles. Uh, case Demic, positive PCR test equals case equals sickness equals you're contagious, which is complete junk. So a positive real-time PCR test equals a case. Documenting the skyrocketing number of cases is the basis of the official propaganda. And that's what we're seeing this big push for now. O Omicron's out. Everybody go get tested again. And look, you got all these vaccinated people going to get tested because they were told to get tested. You got unvaccinated people going to get tested. And guess what happened to our case numbers? They're through the roof again. It's not because people are sick, because they threw a positive on a PCR test. So they're asymptomatic. So increase in the numbers justifies all their restricted government measures, the isolation, confinement, quarantine, mandatory masks. The restrictions that they're talking about with flying, where they're not going to allow unvaccinated people to fly, this all goes back to the test. So I can't tell you how important it is to reject the test. Uh, here, CDC. CDC even states PCR test is unreliable for detecting uh, COVID. So the reliability of the PCR test has not been determined for variants. So that's exactly what they're using it for. They're using the PCR test and the rapid antigen test, all these other tests for testing for variants. Uh, the CDC says that the clinical performance has not been established in all circulating variants. They haven't uh, tested this out uh, to look for variants, but that's exactly what they're using it for. Uh, it, it's criminal. Uh, just call it what it is. So why are we using the test? Detection of viral RNA may not indicate the presence of infectious virus or that 2019 NCOV is the causative agent for clinical symptoms. This is directly from the CDC, mind you. Performance of this test has not been established for monitoring treatment of 2019 NCOV. The test cannot rule out diseases caused by other bacterial or viral pathogens. <laughs> What's the test looking for? They don't even know what it's looking for. They just want a positive test. That's all they want. Uh, positive PCR test with high CT value is meaningless. Uh, CT value at 32 corresponds to 10 to 15 copies per microliter. At, uh, CT value at 35 corresponds to one copy per microliter. And CT value at 35, no virus is isolated and therefore cannot be replicated in culture. So the CT values running at over 40, junk. It's junk. False in testing rhetoric began to appear. Uh, CT value at 25 is a 70% uh, reliability rating. If you run it at 30, it drops to a 20% reliability rating. At 35, it drops to below 3% reliability rating. So the value routinely used on positive uh, PCR is a CT value over 35. So if a person has a positive PCR, and if the cycle threshold is 35 cycles or higher, the likelihood of the person infected is less than 3%. The likelihood will result in a false positive of 97%. And there's a little graph that kind of shows you uh, the cycle thresholds and how they degrade over time. And once you get past 25, it's just junk, junk. Positive RT-PCR equals cases equals sickness equals contagious. This is complete lie. That's the official postulate. So the misuse of the RT-PCR technique is a relentless intentional strategy used by governments 
to justify the lockdowns, quarantine measure, removal of rights, destruction of economy, and degradation of society. That's all the test is being used for. Uh, very important, these PCR tests are being used to make policy decisions, and they should not be used to make policy decisions like opening and closing of uh, interstate travel, uh, school opening and closing. This should not be based on any positive PCR tests. Asymptomatic carriers. So this should be the study that they all use uh, when, when uh, trying to tell you asymptomatic carriers cannot carry the virus. Uh, they did a Wuhan, again, going back to Wuhan, a citywide screening. There were almost 10 million participants, 9,865,404 participants who did not have a history of COVID-19 that were tested. There were no newly confirmed COVID-19 tested uh, cases. 300 asymptomatic positive cases were identified. So they, they had 300 asymptomatic people that threw a positive on a, on a PCR test. What's the a percentage of, of that 1, out of almost 10 million? What's the percentage oh, of that? In, <laughs> point uh, one, point, point half of one? Yeah, it's like <laughs> negligible. And, and so they, they found those close contacts of those 300 asymptomatic people. So there were 1,174 close contacts of asymptomatic positive cases that, that they traced, and all of them tested negative. So this whole thing where the schools are kicking the students out who are in close contact with somebody who tested positive, this Wuhan study disproves that that is an effective uh, strategy to use, that it just doesn't work. Uh, 34,424 of the previous recovered COVID-19 cases were screened. 107 tested positive again, giving a repositive rate of 0.31%. And this is the best part of all from this study. Virus cultures were negative for all asymptomatic positive and repositive cases, indicating that no viable virus in positive cases uh, were detected in this study. So this study, huge study, 10 million uh, people, and they couldn't find one uh, case where an asymptomatic person was positive. Uh, asymptomatic people don't carry the virus. And what kind of test, Dr. Bill, were they using for this? What they were using for the PCR on the Chinese thing where they only got 300? Yeah. Asymptomatic. And, and asymptomatic means they don't have any symptoms. Well, the obvious symptoms. question is, if you don't have symptoms... Why are you taking a test? Why are you seeking? Why, why would you yeah. seek any medical device or advice or any of that stuff? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I grew up no. in an age. I grew up in an age where, it, you know, you stayed away from the doctor. The old phrase, "an apple a day keeps the doctor away," and I think uh, Edward uh, G. Edward Griffin has made the reason why is because those apple seeds. If you eat the apple seeds, they got B seventeen, which has been pretty much taken out. Uh, that is a good. Um, uh, thing uh -huh. against cancer but you know i grew up in that age you get sick you go to bed uh, unless you're dehydrated or something like that or you have some kind of trauma you, you don't go to the doctor you just don't do that stuff no. and now it's hey you may be carrying the convids 1984 <laughs> even though you don't have any symptoms at all you need to get tested and I, it's i got to tell you i don't trust our government as far as anybody can throw them and so my you know my thought is well wait a minute how do I know you don't put the convids on this little test that you're doing on me? How do I know that? I don't know that. And apparently what you're no. saying, they're putting things on there that can definitely make me sick. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, who knows what they're putting on it? You know, you have to trust the manufacturer, and, and I don't trust any of these drug companies that are out there. After, especially after all the stuff uh, that they're doing, where they're trying to to kill people. And am I? Um, so, let me, let me uh, ask something else. Am I? Am I understanding you correctly when you say these tests, whether it's the PCR or this uh, other one, and I forget the name of it. I can't. I can't remember to say my uh, rapid I, antigen. Rapid antigen. Okay. Are you saying those under are, are those are under EUA as well? Yes. Yeah, it's all under EUA. There's no FDA approved uh, testing. Not that that all means anything these EUA. days either. No, it means nothing. And uh, the EUA is a way that they can change uh, without having to be transparent. So, like, they can change the vaccine uh, vial ingredients without telling the public that they're doing it. If it's FDA approved, then they can't change it. They have to stop changing the ingredients. So, the EUA is just a way to, for them to to conduct uh, large-scale tests on, on the world population. That's all the EUA is. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So, um, caught. PCR testing of asymptomatic healthy people should never be done. A PCR test is not a binary result, not positive versus negative, because they're having to use a cycle threshold. PCR testing was never intended for clinical medicine, right? Uh, It was only intended for research purposes. Reporting positive PCR test results without CT values is faulty assumption. That's exactly what they're doing. Nobody gets their CT values back whenever they get their test results back, and that should be standard protocol. And if it's over 30 uh, cycles, over 25 cycles, there should be questions. I called one of the laboratories in Arkansas, uh, Natural State Laboratories. I asked them what their cycle threshold was on their PCR test, and they said it, it wasn't defined, which means they were running the PCR test until they got a result. That, that's medical malpractice uh, at the highest level. And I, I submitted this uh, data to the state legislators, to the health committee, and they didn't seem concerned about it. Eh, whatever, no big deal. Like, you're part of the problem here. I'm telling you, this is a major deal because it, this is test run at infinite cycles is going to throw back so many uh, false positives. And you don't care. The other thing they didn't care about was that the laboratory um, wasn't submitting uh, negative tests to the health department. They were also only submitting positive tests to drive case numbers up. I said, you need to audit these uh, laboratories that are running these tests. Oh, uh, you know, they probably corrected it. I called the health department. You know, the, one of the senators called the health department and said, did uh, you guys correct this? Did you get the negative results? Oh, yeah, we got the negative. Well, oh, you're trusting the health department, really. I don't have any faith in the state legislator uh, legislature. I'm just saying that right now. So uh, going back to sloppy specimen testing, drive-by test, when they you stick your head out the window, they stick a swab up your nose. That's not how you're supposed to do this. They're, they're breaking protocol with how the tests are being performed, and that affects test results. The time of testing, so if you wait too long before you get the test, it's going to mess up the uh, test results. And then there's a lack of confirmational viral culture, so we, we don't have viral isolates. Nothing. Oh. Did we lose you, Dr. Bill? Okay. I don't know what happened. Uh, Dr. Bill froze up there. Oh, Dr. Bill, hang on, hang on. Are you there? Uh, we we had you freeze up for about thirty seconds there. Do you want to pick up where you were going? Because you you kind of froze up and we didn't get what you were saying. So uh, basically, saying there's nothing 
nothing to uh, justify what any of the governors, uh, president, any of our health authorities are doing because they're all basing it on this uh, test here. So all things considered, should you get tested? Um, I think we know this by now. Uh, the answer is no. So summary of key points, uh, the RT-PCR test is qualitative. It's not a quantitative test. It can't tell you if you're infected uh, or if you're able to spread. Um, the results are reported in binary fashion, positive or negative. Um, you can't uh, rely on test results like that. In clinical medicine, it's dangerous to place test techniques above clinical uh, evaluation. So never before have we mass tested healthy people to determine if they're sick. The so main limitation, cycle thresholds like we talked about, and cycle thresholds are need to be regulated. So what about the, there's a new test that's coming out. Um, and can, can you hear me okay? I'm coming through Yep, you're okay? good, you're good. Okay, so they're replacing that PCR test uh, with a new PCR test starting in January. It's a fourplex PCR test from a company called Cepheid. And the fourplex PCR test is supposed to be able to tell you the difference between SARS-CoV-2, the flu, and RSV. But there's problems with that uh, fourplex test. And I want to destroy that fourplex test now before people start thinking, oh, it's a reliable test. Well, we look here, it's a qualitative test meaning it can't tell you viral load. It, this is directly from the EUA document from Cepheid, by the way. Positive results are indicative of the presence of the identified virus, but do not rule out bacterial infection or co-infection with other pathogens. They're running this thing at 45 PCR cycles, 45 cycles. You're not gonna get any reliable results at 45 uh, cycles. The nucleic acid may persist in vivo independent of virus viability. So this saying the nucleic acid from the virus that they're looking for, it can persist inside of you. So the detection of the analyte targets does not imply that the corresponding virus are infectious or other causative agents for clinical symptoms. So what they're saying here is that the test could pick up those nucleotides, but the, that test cannot tell you if that, that, those nucleotides are the reason why you're sick. This is directly from the document from the company. Uh, the test is qualitative and does not provide quantitative value of detected organism present. Again, the manufacturer tells you that it can't tell you viral load. The test hasn't been evaluated for patients without signs and symptoms of respiratory tract infection. So they never evaluated this new fourplex test on asymptomatic people, yet that's what it's being used for. Uh, there is cross-reactivity with respiratory tract organisms other than those described herein, which can lead to erroneous results. So the test can cross-react with other respiratory pathogens, and you could throw a false positive. As the expert expressed, SARS-CoV-2 test does not differentiate between the N2 and E gene targets, the presence of other coronaviruses in the B lineage, beta coronavirus genus, including SARS-CoV-1, that may cause a false positive result. So it, it's nonspecific to SARS-CoV-2 is what they're saying. The performance of this device has not been assessed in a population vaccinated against COVID-19. So they never even tested, used the test when they were setting it up on vaccinated people. 
but that's exactly who they're going to recommend it for. Oh, you've, you've got the Omicron variant. We need to test you for it. We're going to use a Sporplex test. Well, they never did that uh, test in the laboratory. Uh, E-primers and probes are nonspecific for SARS-CoV-2. And get this, they will detect human and bat SARS-Coronavirus. <laughs> you could run this uh, on a bat and give positive tests. Yeah. That's how accurate Fruit it is. and motor oil, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, right here, uh, the, they have the calibration positive control that they use uh, from a company called Zeptometrics. And Zeptometrics, uh, they, that's where they get the flu, SARS-CoV-2, and RSV to calibrate the machine. Well, that company uh, uses sodium azide uh, in order to uh, calibrate the test, to, to put their test kit together. Sodium azide, I'm just going to tell you, is a mutagen. It causes uh, DNA damage, including base substitution. So if you throw sodium azide in with uh, the flu, RSV, SARS-CoV-2, you, you're going to denature the DNA. And so what are you calibrating with? You're calibrating with denatured DNA that potentially has base parent substitution, and that's what you're uh, testing people for? That's a joke. Okay, the uh, rapid antigen test. We'll get back to the rapid antigen test here. This is junk, too, because the rapid antigen test, it says in the documentation that <clears throat> it cannot differentiate between SARS-CoV and SARS-CoV-2. Positive results do not rule out bacterial infection or co-infection with other viruses. The agent detected may not be the definite cause of the disease. It's intended for use by medical professionals or trained operators. And this is what we're talking about with these Chick-fil-A you know, employees doing the testing. That's not what the test manufacturer says to do. It's only intended for medical professionals or trained operators. The uh, Binax now is a rapid lateral flow immunoassay for qualitative detection. It can't tell you if you're infectious or not. The positive control swab that calibrates uh, for this test uses recombinant SARS-CoV-2 nucleocaptive. And what I was talking about before, anything that says recombinant means it's synthetic. It's not a natural form of the virus. Uh, and this in particular uses a nucleocapsid. Inadequate or inappropriate sample collection, storage transport may yield false test results. So, so many factors here that can lead to bad tests. Invalid results can occur when an insufficient volume of extraction reagent is added to the test card. So user error, you're performing these tests at home or is performed by that Chick-fil-A employee, you're going to get false uh, results. The test detects both viable and non-viable SARS-CoV and SARS-CoV-2. So it's picking up on dead nucleotides like we talked about. False results may occur if specimens are tested past one hour of collection. So if you don't run this test quickly, you're going to get false results. Specimens should be tested as quickly as possible. If the differentiation of specific SARS viruses and strains is needed, additional testing in consultation with state or local public health departments is required. They're saying if you want to know what specific SARS virus you have or what strain you have, you've got to do another test. But I thought that's what the rapid antigen test was for, was to tell you you had SARS-CoV-2. No, it doesn't. They tell you it doesn't. All operators using your product must be appropriately trained in performing and interpreting the results of your test. They're, not, they're reading an insert. That's proper training. The comparison between SARS-CoV-2 nucleocapsid protein, MERS-CoV, 
and human coronavirus, HKU1, revealed that cross-reactivity cannot be ruled out. So if you have any uh, history of any type of infection, it could pick up on it, non-specific to SARS-CoV-2. So can the PCR test be used to diagnose you with uh, variants? The answer to that is no. Directly from the CDC, these PCR tests cannot be used for variants. So how are the public health laboratories diagnosing variants? So I sent that information, uh, those questions off to the Arkansas Department of Health, asking, how are you coming up with uh, Delta uh, diagnosis? And he came back, uh, and uh, this guy, Reginald Rogers, he collects all the records there. He said, thank you for your phone call. I've uh, been informed that the Department of Public Health Laboratory does not test for Delta variant. The, uh, the Public Health Laboratory does not isolate the virus. The Public Health Laboratory doesn't have peer-reviewed studies that I requested uh, asking to show me how they do it. And I came to find out they were using the University of Minnesota. So I, I looked at the University of Minnesota to find out, uh, how are you sequencing this stuff? Can you please tell me? And they came back and told me, uh, that they they aren't calibrating the machines uh, in order to do the sequencing. The sequencing equipment comes pre-calibrated from the manufacturer. I said, really? You, you can't get isolated SARS-CoV-2 to calibrate your machine, the Delta variant? They said, no, it comes pre-calibrated. So these, these major university laboratories, BSL and BS, uh, BSL3 and 4 laboratories, uh, they don't have isolated virus specimens. So when I asked for the test results for patient specimens that are being sent to the University of Minnesota Genomics Lab for genomic sequencing, what came back was uh, shocking because it was more than 26% of patient specimens that were sent to the laboratory were false positives. And they were telling us that 100% of the people that tested positive for Delta uh, were, were uh, patient specimens that being sent out when in reality it was 26% were false positives. And I have all the evidence to prove that. So are the problems with the genomic sequencing equipment? This is from the manufacturer and this is how they diagnose everybody with the Omicron variant, by the way. It's not a PCR test or a rapid antigen test. They have to use whole genomic sequencing. This is what the manufacturer's document, what it says. Positive results do not rule out bacterial infection or co-infection with other viruses, meaning it's nonspecific. And they're trying to tell you they can uh, tell you it's a variant that you have. Uh, they, when they ran these samples, they used 90 virus targets from SARS-CoV-2. When there's 30,000 targets that they should have been looking for, they use 90. Uh, and then here, it says variant calls. So you, with the variants that we have, the Omicron, for example, Consensus sequences are generated for information purposes as research use only, not for patient reporting. And that's exactly what they're using it for, for patient reporting. That's how we get all the Omicron numbers is from whole genome sequencing and the manufacturer of the equipment says you can't use it for that. They're, they're using it off-label and they should be sued for using it in a way that was not intended to be used. So what's coming? Uh, the FDA says there's uh, EUAs for at least seven devices, 11 de decontamination systems, more than 160 emergency use uh, protective, uh, person protective equipment. There are more than 560 drugs that are in development in the planning stages, and 370 trials are underway for potential therapies for COVID-19. And this is uh, older information. So we know that there's a lot more in the pipeline. But... 
I'm going to end it there. But uh, anyway, I, I want people to know none of these tests are being used the way that they're supposed to be used. They're being uh, used to mislead people into thinking uh, that they have an infection when in fact they don't have an infection. It's just to add to the cases so that we can bump up uh, the restrictions and the lockdowns and keep people living in a state of fear. There's no good test out there uh, for what they're trying to, to search for. And criminal, I, there's no other way to describe it. Um, they're criminals, they should be prosecuted, and people should be thrown in jail, and this should never be allowed to happen again. But we have to put again. a stop to it. And that starts with the people. The people have to refuse the test, knowing that it's a junk test that doesn't look for what it's being uh, used for, and it's being used to control us. That's all this test is being used for, is a control device. So do not get tested ever again, regardless of whether it's a rapid antigen test, a PCR test, or if a specimen being sent off for whole genome sequencing. They're all junk. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think it's much like the election fraud. <laughs> you know, they manipulate the machines, That's the, right. the Dominion machines. Um, these Illumina companies that put these machines out there, they pre-calibrate this to get whatever result they want. So right now it's Omicron somehow mysteriously Delta is completely gone. Now uh, everybody has Omicron now, and then they're going to use the next variant as a mechanism of control. They run it through faulty test equipment to say, Oh, it's the fastest spreading, most deadly variant that we have. And reality is just lies. So people need to wake up. Uh, it, this this we're being we're being scammed here yeah no we are. way to put it we absolutely are dr bill i appreciate your time i want to give you a last word here in just a second but let me just say something you know i've been going back and forth with some of the chat i got a friend in there and you know i appreciate uh things that she's done in the past we've had her on the show and things but let me just say something to sit here and justify trump and like some of these people i've even watched Stu peters he's got great guess great information and he's even called trump out on some stuff but it's like he still wants to believe that trump is somehow by pushing the shot and saying the stuff he's saying that he's somehow doing the good and right thing let me let me just lay the biblical evidence on you first of all the bible says the life of the flesh is in the what it's in the blood okay and the bible says that we're to walk in the footsteps of jesus i want to ask everybody out there anybody did Jesus become political? Or was Jesus a man of the truth? The God-man of the truth? Now, he confounded the wise by asking them questions that they, they were just dumbfounded by because they had never thought of them when they tried to trick him, right? He did that all the time. What is Trump doing? Trump is pimping Big Pharma. Oh, he's doing it because he put this executive order. Yeah, he put the executive order in place in 2019 that allowed for these mRNA shots. I got something coming out on that in case you people missed it. Executive order, something he doesn't have authority in the Constitution. By the way, he doesn't have authority to deal with science or health, and neither does Congress in the 18 to 21 things in Article 1 that they have authority to write law on. So don't, don't, don't. Give me QAnonsense people who want to sit here and say, well, Trump has our best interest. No, Trump has his best interest in mind. That's why he's out here selling these stupid coins. That's why his wife's out here and he's out here selling these stupid fat products or whatever they are to get rid of your fat. 
This is what's going on. You want to talk about something that ticks me off? Is people continuing to justify a criminal? He's been a criminal from the beginning. Are you telling you guys got caught up in the WWE match? Okay? In the in the media that they hated him and that this is the same media that for decades propped him up. You're telling me they didn't know what he thought? Come on, you have been fooled. You have been fooled. And you say, well, why don't you give this to somebody asked, well, would you say this with, with Joe Biden too? Yeah, I would. But I don't have to tell you about Joe Biden. You know why? Because you already believe that. The thing I've got to convince you of is that Trump and his administration hoodooed you into this. Joe Biden's as guilty as sin. Okay? He's just as guilty as sin. But so is Donald Trump. And I'm telling you, whatever Donald Trump told you in many cases, and you can go back and you can read my articles. I gave some props to Donald Trump over some good things he did at the first. I, in fact, I was finding them as I was putting out some other things the other day. But the Bible says, let our yes be yes and our no, no. I want to ask you something, Trump supporters. Is Trump's yes, yes, or is it no? Or is it like when he was asking, did you get the, the booster? And he goes, yes. No, he didn't. He didn't get that. Are you really that stupid to fall for that? Are you really that stupid to think he's, he's got everything in, in place to take down the cabal, to expose the darkness and all this? Really? Where's the evidence for that? Where are the arrests? Where are the convictions? Where are the hangings? Oh, I'm sorry. You find that from those nut jobs who tell you that there's military tribunals and Obama's been hung and Hillary's been hung and, you know, name your person. I'm telling you right now, mark it down. He is not your friend. He is controlled opposition. He was bought off by the bankers in the 90s. He was bought off by Israel. And you can see that. I've got the video. In fact, I'll throw the video in there. He was bought off by Israel and the bankers. There's no question that that's what that's that that that's what's happened. But he, he sold himself to you as the apprentice, or the Mockingbird Media sold you as the apprentice, the one who could say, you're fired, that he got bad advice. This was the guy who told you, I'm the chosen one. I retweeted, I'm the king of Israel. I'm you know, the, like the second coming of God. And I, it's amazing to me that people who believe in a, you know some future Antichrist for seven years and a Posted stamp piece of land in Israel and all this kind of stuff. Don't see that 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 allegedly makes a peace agreement with the world and Israel and all this kind of stuff. That they don't see Donald Trump fits that whole bill. Not that I believe that. I don't believe this that theology. But the fact of the matter is that he fits that bill. He's done all this stuff, and they keep foaming over him. They they. It's like it's like a spell, Doctor Bill. That's on people Mm -hmm. to not see how they've been played and man it's their very lives and it's their very souls that are at stake here you know we've talked about revelation 18 23 this is the means the whole thing of this world um convid domination is based on sorcery they're deceiving the people through the pharmacies. I mean, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But you're a guy, you're on the inside here as far as, you know, being in the health industry. And you're saying, none of this is true. It's all lies. And I, I you know, despite, I think you and I probably have some disagreements over eschatology. But despite that, we have a center and a foundation, and that is Christ. And you're saying, wait, 
The truth is most important here, and that's what you've been given not only today, but over the past three shows. I think that's why people appreciate it. Jesus didn't kowtow to the politics. What he did was he used the politics against them by citing the law and by speaking the truth. You don't win the day with lies and deception. Now, I'm not saying that you don't use certain things in warfare. I'm not saying that. Okay, over the enemy. But you don't deceive your supporters. You don't deceive those people who are on your side. You deceive the enemy in order to defeat them. But the fact of the matter is the truth, the truth is the real victor if somebody's willing to stand up and do that. And Dr. Bill, I appreciate you doing it. not only on the show, but you're the real deal. You go out, you have concern, you go in, we've showed the videos, you go out into the... Uh, the county councils, the city councils, you go out into the pharmacies and things of this nature. And, uh, man, I applaud that because that's what we want to put forth here on the Sons of Liberty to encourage people to do the same. Go thou and do likewise, right? So what I'm going to do, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I'm not angry at anybody, but I, I am saying you can't sit here and continue to support deceivers. You, you can't yep. do that. If you're doing that, you are giving strength to tyranny. So with that said, Dr. Bill, I'm going to give you the final word, any kind of encouragement or any any kind of final exhortation that you want to give the people here, you're welcome to do. Yeah, my, my whole goal with all these uh, interviews that I'm doing is to get truth out to arm people uh, with knowledge, because truth overcomes lies. Uh, the light overcomes the darkness. And uh, if you just go out and, and you show people the truth, it's indisputable. This this is evidence I've given you today is indisputable. You need to be proactive. And if you're waiting for some savior, if his name's Trump or whatever, to come and rescue you, it's not happening. I'm just telling you, too many millions of people have injected with a, a life-altering uh, gene therapy. And if the savior was going to ride in and save people from the shot, they would have done it already. Amen. So get off of your tails Get out there and start being proactive in your community. We just we don't need huge percentages of the population. We, we're talking about you know dozens of people to get up before their city council, before their school board, uh, employees from organizations to just walk out. A small percentage of employees. If people would just take a stand and not be so cowardice or, or not wait for somebody else to do something, we can make some major changes in this country. But until that day happens. Uh, we're going to be prisoners. We're not going to get our freedoms back. you got to fight for this stuff. Amen. Uh, any Christian who doesn't uh, think it's their responsibility to get up and fight for those people, especially children uh, who are most vulnerable in our community, you're going to have a greater power to answer to uh, someday. And I personally, I don't want to stand before God someday and know that I could have done more, uh, especially to protect these little children who are extremely vulnerable and need voices out there fighting for them. Amen. So Amen. stand up, fight for the little people. If if you're at least going to do something, do something to help out these, uh, these children that uh, don't have the help that they need. That's right. That's right. And yeah, thank you, Dr. Bill, for saying that. Uh, one of the th scriptures that comes to mind is the Apostle Paul, who said that we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of what's done in the body, whether good or bad. So it doesn't just apply to this, it applies to everything. And I don't know about the rest of you, you know, I've got enough that I'm terrified of having to give an account for. I just am terrified of it. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, 
we have to leave the, those things behind. We can't change them. So we, we've got to repent. We've got to do the things that we, we need to do now. Thank you, uh, Mike, for correcting that. I apologize. I, <clears throat> but some other people have asked me, why don't you call out Biden as much? Just because you already know it. This audience knows Biden is a bad guy. They know he's a puppet. They know he's, he's controlled by Chinese money and probably Russian money and whoever else. Uh, so I don't have to convince you of that. The difficulty we have here is convincing those who claim they are constitutionalist Christians on the right, whatever the case may be that you're on. That's why that's why there's so much. Um, uh, I don't know what the word I'm going to try to use is um, trying to point out the problems with those who claim that we're going to be ended up doing it with DeSantis if the Lord gives us that long. There's no doubt in my mind after my. Uh, reports for a year on what went on in Florida and DeSantis knowing that he had a criminal sheriff in place. He went and politically removed another sheriff for something the sheriff didn't even do. And I don't think he had the authority to do it, removed him and put a swinger in his place. But he leaves this guy who has used his authority down in Lee County to attack women. That's just one thing. Now, if he's doing that, you know, he's corrupt in other areas. I don't care what he says. When a guy goes to Israel to look at their wall, and he's not even on a border state. Hello? This ought to tell you something, but people have to pay attention to what's going on, all right? You guys have a great day. 3 p.m., Bradley will be back. Uh, Dr. Bill, hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. And then tomorrow, 6 a.m., we'll be with you. It, it's not going to be something that I enjoy, I'm going to tell you, because I have friends in this, um, people that we have, have friended. I've got people that work at Chick-fil-A, that I'm friends with, it gives me no joy, no joy at all to call this out. It really doesn't. It, it bothers me internally. And it bothers me even more that I'm going to have to go down there and protest and that I'm probably going to have to take out a lawsuit on behalf of my children because I'm their guardian. Um, it, it gives me no joy. But I want you to tune in because it's important that you hear what's going on with a company that expresses, quote-unquote, Christian values. Remember, the devil is best at his deception. He's not best at getting you on, you know, drugs and being a drunkard and all this kind of stuff. That stuff plays a part. He's best on putting the pretty face and the, the suit on or the bikini on or making himself temptatious. Is that a word? He's, he's, he's best at being tempting to you to look good, to sound good, when in the back of his mind he's got kill, steal, and destroy. So keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, when we do that, we're going to go live uh, when we do the protests. Uh, and my aim is a week from Saturday, but it may it may actually be two weeks. It just depends on how I can get some people organized to do it. Uh, but it'll be on a Saturday when a lot of people are not working. It'll also be during lunch. I'm figuring 11 to 2 Eastern time. Uh, so we're going we're to look at that, um, set aside things. There's a sidewalk out in front of the, the Chick-fil-A there. And um, so unless they change unless they change what they're doing, and I'm going to send them this too, Dr. Bill. I'm going to send them this interview here today just so they can hear it, so they can see it. And that way they know, and I'm going to send it by registered email, so they know what the truth is, and if they want to continue to fight the law, and if they want to continue to fight the truth and claim that they're Christian and they're standing for the truth, then we're going to bring it to them. That's just, there's no way to do it. And that is love, folks. It really is love for those people to correct their deception. With that said, talk to you in the morning at 6 a.m., Lord willing. Uh, until then, see you.